Hello, and thank you for joining me for this podcast. I woke up this morning with God's word just flowing out of my spirit, and I know he wants to speak to us today. And so I'm titling this message, Crowned with Lips of Fire. And this message is definitely for the remnant. And so I want you to, um, if you can, take your Bible and the two places that we're going to go into today is Acts 6 and 7, and we're going to go into Isaiah, the chapters 2 through 6. And what I was uh, woken up to was the story about Stephen. And Stephen was, Stephen's name actually means crowned one. And so God wants to crown his remnant. And we're going to look a lot like Stephen did. So who is Stephen in the Bible? Well, those that are listening, I'm sure you are familiar with his story. It's found in Acts 6 and 7. Notice that the number 7 is there, 6 and 7. 6 being the number of man, 7 being the number of completion. And we see in Stephen, we see the completion of what God wants to do in restoring his voice as well as giving a full measure of the spirit of wisdom. And that's what we learn from Stephen and his obedience to speak as the Lord gave him utterance and it cut to the heart. So I was sharing in the the previous podcast how we're in a time when the Lord wants to restore his voice, the full measure of his voice in the earth. And when the children of Israel had passed the, um, through the Red Sea and had made their journey up to Mount Sinai, it is there that the Lord proposed to them. And he revealed himself through the thunder and lightning and the sound of his voice. And it caused the people to fear and tremble. Now, there was two reactions in that story. There was one reaction, and that was with Moses, who drew near the voice and came up to meet the Lord face to face. But the other reaction was what most of the what, what the children of Israel did, and they drew away and hid from the Lord. And in Exodus 20, I was sharing with you what they said was they were rejecting the voice of God and asked that Moses represent them and he go before the Lord face to face and bring the voice of God, the truth of what he was saying back to the people. And it was because of that, that God um, had to use a prophet to be the voice of God and to speak to the people. However, we see the restoration of what God really wanted to do in his covenant with a nation of people that he chose to be a special treasure um, in Acts 2, after the Lord had died and rose, and he released in Acts 2 a deposit of the Holy Spirit for his word to be written on the tablets of our heart, his tablets of covenant. So there was a restoration of his word, the law written on our hearts so that we can go face to face with the Lord and get um, read his word and, and understand what he's saying. As well as they were baptized with the, the fire of God, this Holy Spirit that caused them to speak in tongues. And it was like tongues of fire. And so that was the voice of God, a deposit of the voice of God that was going to go out into the earth. And as they were moved by the, the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the church was birthed and the Lord used these disciples that were in the upper room 
to be led by the spirit of God then, and to be led by the word that he was sharing for them to, um, to give out, to speak in that time. And as they did, they gave utterance and the people that were hearing what they had to say, their, their hearts were cut, meaning the falsehoods, and the things that they had believed, they, there was an anointing to cut through that so that they could hear the truth that God was the living God, the one that loved them, and he was the real deal, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King. And from that, now remember, we did not have a Bible at that time. These disciples were completely led by the Holy Spirit who had written hid their, hid their truth or God's truth on their heart. And then they went out in his power and they spoke the pay, the anointed word, wherever they went. And we see the fruit of that. There is God's kingdom, his people that have been multiplied into the earth all over. But we were only given a deposit at that time. However, we do have a blueprint of what God's doing in the earth right now through Stephen, because it is through Stephen, and we read in um, chapter 6 and verse 7, the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Though we see right now what I was just sharing with you in God's word, that they went out and they were obedient and they shared the pay, the anointed word. And it says in verse eight, eight number of new beginnings. And Stephen, full of faith and power, not half faith, full of faith and power, all power, did great wonders and signs among the people. This is where we're heading. This is what God wants to do with the remnant right now in this hour. He wants to restore us into the full measure of his faith so that we can walk in signs and wonders. Now we had a deposit of it. We got to see it through Stephen, but we have not seen the full measure of what God wants to do in the earth until this season that we're in, because we have to go forward and we have to be speaking coals of fire that go out and break strongholds in the earth. And so right, um, we, we read in verse nine that there arose from um, what is called the synagogue of the freedom uh, the Cyrenees, the Alexandrians, and those from Sisla and um, Asia disputing with Stephen. These are the religious strongholds that were coming against him. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Now notice that God was going um, right to the people that uh, were uh, the Jewish people or the people of God, and he went to them first because God is interested in, in saving the church first from being mixed in with the iniquitous wine or the intoxicating drink that they have drunk that is his that has his wine, but also the wine of the world and the pride of man and the lust of the flesh. And the Lord wants to separate those and make a distinction. And so he's going to go to his house first. And in verse 11, it says, and then they secretly induced men uh, to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. So these were people that had the Edomite spirit within them that had a hatred for God's anointed. So we 
are seeing not only God wants to go to the people first, there are some good people that are mixed in under the stronghold of the spirit of Edomite that looks holy and looks good, but they have the power, they have chosen to take power onto themselves and to partner with Satan who wants to make a one world order. And they stirred, in verse 12, and they stirred up the people, the elders, the scribes, and they came upon him, seized Stephen, and brought him to the council. Now, we know in this hour that God is raising us up, and he is teaching us to be his voice. And he is going to anoint us to be the pay, the mouth of God that is speaking into the earth right now. And the people that are, are, are partnering with evil are not going to like it. And so they're going to have a choice, whether they're going to choose life, choose death, choose right, choose wrong. And we're going to be the people that God is anointing, has crowned to release the pay, the word of God into the earth right now so that they can see and choose. And so it says in verse seven or chapter seven, that the high priest said, are these things so after he had listened to all the counsels and the wrong accusations that were coming against Stephen? And so he gave him a platform to speak. And so the Lord used this platform and anointed Stephen's lips with coals of fire to speak the pay, the word, the word, the anointed word of God to share truth, righteousness, and justice in this moment. In all of chapter seven, what God did, and this is a blueprint for us, is he, is Stephen was used to share the story of God, what God did in the earth, remember what he did, and, and how his promise um, was secured and revealed and displayed through a people, and so that they could go through this trail of how God uh, was a witness to how he would bring truth in the earth, and how he delivered the people, and how he came through, and so Stephen was used to kind of give everybody a history lesson and call call them into the remembrance of their heritage. This is why the Satanists trying so hard to wipe out the Christian heritage in this nation and in the nations and in our history books. And so that's what chapter seven is all about. And I'm now going to go um, uh, actually, no, I'm going to finish because at the end of chapter seven, what um, he says is that he said um, he called out these people that were listening and that had mixed the wine. This is why the Lord is telling us to separate. Don't drink intoxicating wine. Drink the pure uh, wine of the of the word of God for this season. And what he's saying, don't mix old theology. Don't mix culture into uh, the word of God. He's really calling us to really separate that out. And I shared that in my last podcast. And he wants us to enter into this place where we have said uh, we are cutting ourselves off from um, anything that is intoxicating, that would take the pure wine and mix it and cause us to, to be pulled in to the judgment that God is about ready to release in the earth. That's why God says to uh, the time when he's bringing judgment on Babylon, he says, my people, my people, come out of her, cut yourself off because the judgments are going to be released. And so Stephen is saying in verse 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart 
and ears. So you're not hearing what God has to say and you're not rending your heart, meaning you're not humbling yourself. The pride is getting in your way because you think that you know all things and your pride and your control and how you want it to happen is preventing you from hearing what God has to say. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did so, um, so you do. So here's another key. We cannot resist what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in this hour. He speaks comfort, but he speaks truth. And he is going to cause us to, uh, to choose truth. He's going to lead us in truth. He's going to guide us in the way we should go. And then we are supposed to come underneath his leadership and allow his power to go, go through us and lead us so that we can be used by him. We cannot resist the Holy Spirit. We got to let go of our programs, our perceptions, um, everything that we're trying to control. We got to open our hands and we got to say, here I am, Lord, use me. And while we have that humility of heart, the Holy Spirit can then come and then lead us. And, and then uh, uh, Stephen goes on. He says, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of the angels and have not kept it. So here's another key. It's like even the church. We have heard God's word. We have been studying God's word, but we need to uh, not despise the law that has been set in the Old Testament, but we've got to learn from the law. It's a blueprint, a pattern of what truth really looks like as being inspired by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because God did not come to destroy the law, but perfect it. And we are going to be able to walk in the law so easily when we just obey the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the law of God and that is empowering us. He is our truth. The law is truth. The law can't lie. The law will um, is used as a guidepost to show what's right and what is wrong. And in verse 54, and when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. So this is important because the, the word, the anointed word out of our mouth can cut to the heart, but then we can choose what we're going to do with it. So their hearts have been filleted open with truth. And this is true for us today as Christians. We can hear the truth, but then, but now it's our choice which way we're going to respond to that truth. We can be cut to the heart and we can go toward the Lord and his truth, and we can be set free and be uh, set apart and, and, and enjoy the protection and the provision of the Lord that's coming in this hour. Or we can choose to lock ourselves into um, going away from that truth and to kill the messenger or, or try to blame the messenger or try to um, speak ill of what's being said because we want to hold on to what we um, are holding on to that's not of the Lord. And then it's going to cause us to partner with the father of lies. 
It's going to cause us to want to kill, steal, and destroy the messenger as well as as destroy um, our, ourselves in the in the process because ju judgment is coming and we're then putting ourselves under the the covering of the enemy and we will be uh, not covered with God's protection. We'll be exposed. So this is the seriousness of God right now in this hour. But to those, the crowned ones that God is crowning in this time, he is going to give them this anointing that he gave Stephen. And, and this is what happened in verse 55, 5, 5, double mercy and double truth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, double mercy, double grace, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. What people are saying, what they're accusing, what they would do to the ones that are crowned up ahead. It's not going to phase. It's not going to move those that are crowned by God like Stephen, because their eyes are fixed on the Lord himself. And their hearts are secure in him and what he's saying. And they're not going to be moved by what the enemy is saying. And we see this right here in Stephen's stature and where his eyes are gazing and where his ears are hearing. Hallelujah. And, the, and 50, verse 57 says, And then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. They didn't want to hear this. The enemy came at him, at Stephen, in one accord. Their voice was loud. They're like all gathered together, the voice of truth. And they, and they marched out in that to execute Satan's plan to kill, steal, and destroy God's anointed. This did not phase Stephen. And what they did was they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of young man named Saul. Even Saul saw this. Saul was on the wrong side of the fence at this time. But you know what? God wasn't done with Saul. And he was going to put this seed of truth in Saul in a, in a, in a time up ahead. And then he was going to pluck Saul out. And he was going to use him to be God's voice of truth um, up ahead. So I just want to encourage you that even in the moment when people are coming against you, don't even question that God is using you to produce a seed of truth that God is going to use in the hour to bring forth some that he has chosen to pluck out uh, that are caught in this religious, political, and governmental system that the the enemy has so uh, intricately weaved his his falsehoods and deception in. And verse 59, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said that, he fell asleep. And I wanted to share the end of that story because this is reveal Stephen's heart. He did not take vengeance on himself. He knew that vengeance was his, uh, and that was um, for the Lord to um, deal with. What he did share was a characteristic and a trait of the overcomers, the crowned one, the remnants in this hour that will not take offense. They will not even regurgitate 
the 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 words of the enemy they're trying to kill steal and destroy they're not going to engage in that battle they're not going to they're not going to even digest them because their eyes are so fixed on the Lord and their ears hear what God is saying and they can see through and pass that their that their their wep- their war is not with flesh but against this principality and powers of the air that are governing and and are trying to manipulate and control God's uh, the people of the earth and some of them have been caught up in this assignment and actually Stephen's heart is sorrowful because he see God's heart is to want to redeem man, all of man, all of man from the earth. That's God's heart. And Stephen has God's heart. And yet they're choosing to walk away from truth. And so he does what Jesus himself did on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Because Jesus died for all, all of mankind. This was even when they were beating him up. They were chastising him. They were rejecting him. They were stoning him. They were all the stripes that he took was for the healing of the nations. Stephen understood this. And he had the full measure of wisdom to understand this so that he could stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might and not be not be moved by what man was doing that had partnered with evil. This is the remnant of this hour that God is raising up. They are, are men and women of God that are that whose hearts are so wanting to be in the father's face and his throne and to repent and to chast and to receive the chastisement of the Lord because they understand they have unclean lips and they understand their sinful nature gets in the way and they understand that when people are doing evil in the earth it is not them they've been caught in this evil snare that has multiplied into the ends of the earth right now and they say father father forgive them they know not what they're doing and they uh, they come to the lord and before they come they ask the lord please forgive them they have a forgiving heart And they are asking God to forgive them for their sins, not only their own sins, because they realize that they are just weak in their own flesh. But they also understand that the ones that have partnered with the voice of the enemy in this hour are weak as well. And so they're standing in the gap in this hour and saying, God, please forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And this is the heart that we have to have as overcomers in this season right now that are coming before the Lord in these 10 days of awe and day of atonement. And we have to have this kind of heart. We have to have this kind of heart that God has because he put in this nation people that birthed this nation out of sacrifice like this, the, the gift that Stephen had. They had the word of God and their life was not their own. And they went out in obedience to what God spoke to them. And they went into a land that was not their own. And they, they set forth the foundations of the earth. And they looked up to the Lord and said, Lord, you are king of this land and you are Lord. And we dedicate this land, the land called America, the land 
land of the heavenlies unto you so that you can be king. And the enemy came at the same time and started sowing seeds of iniquity. And we have two in the womb. And unfortunately, the enemy has put its fingerprints and its in, in and its devices even in the church and caused the church to be silent and allowed the enemy to take places of government and that's what we're seeing in this hour and the church right now has to say abba they do not know what they've done even people that have partnered as christians they have maybe partnered with this iniquity and the voice of the enemy at this hour forgive them they do not know what they've done please forgive them we want to go back under your kingship and under your headship because we know you're coming to judge the nations and your government is upon your shoulders and we want to line up with that and we want to be your voice right now in this earth so that a people can be prepared and ready when you come back. These are the this is the prayers and the cries that we need to be crying in this hour before we enter into the day of judgment, the national day of prayer, the day of atonement that is coming up on this 27th and 28th. So I'm going to stop there. And I just pray that God just puts it in your heart to read Acts 6 and 7. So you will be prepared. And then I'm going to continue now in Isaiah 2. But I want you to pause right now before we even go into Isaiah 2. Because it's going to take an it's going to take a, a rendering of our hearts, a circumcision of our hearts to be who Stephen is. And then God's going to show us what it is to get those coals of fire in Isaiah. God bless you. So everyone that was listening to the first part, here's the second part. I had to pull myself together here. The Holy Spirit is on me so strongly. His heart is just crying out for his people to listen to God's instruction and separate ourselves from everything that is not of him and to come boldly to his throne of grace so that he can empower us or crown us with this banner of righteousness and with the anointing that God has for the, in this hour to speak the pay, these coals of fire are going to come out of our mouth. But, you know, we have to be ready. Our wineskin has to be ready to receive this. And part of the, the responsibility is to separate ourselves from everything that's outside of God's truth and his way. Church, we got to rise up. We are doing church that is not according to God's way. We have theology that we have ascribed to that is not according to God's word of truth. We have we have chosen to, to be silent and to partner with the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel who has lulled her, the church to sleep and has caused her to be lukewarm and to compromise because she's afraid of the intimidation of the voice of the enemy that's out there instead of rising up boldly and to speak in this hour. And that is why the church is not even in the places, the mountains of the Lord, establishing God's influence in the nation and the nations because we chose to retreat. We chose to retreat like the children of Israel did at Mount Sinai. And there, but there's a remnant that said, no, I can't do church like it is anymore. I got to run to the voice of God. And that's what Moses did. And that's what Joshua did. But Moses couldn't in his anointing. 
He could not go through the strongholds of the enemy. We see that in Numbers 20 when he asked and requested uh, in uh, to the king of Edom if he could go through the king's highway. And the king said, no. But it was going to take an anointing like Joshua, the one that had the banner of righteousness over his shoulder to be able to enter in to those places and spaces and cause the enemy to bow. But Joshua had to be trained and equipped and he had to receive this anointing. He had to be inaugurated with the, the mantle of Moses that understood the law of God, did not despise it. And he also went toward the voice of God to his presence and Joshua is going to do the same thing. He's going to hear the voice of God, draw closer to it, and understand the holiness of God's word, and then be used. His feet are going to go into action according to the word of the Lord. And so this is what God says. He gives us this. In Isaiah is a whole story of God's redemption plan. And there's 66 books in the, in the book of Isaiah. And, he, and this book in itself kind of shares from the beginning to the end, God's story of redemption. And so he's going to give us in, the, in chapter two, what it's going to be like in the end so that we know where we're going. And it says in verse two, Isaiah 2, 2, it says, now it shall come to pass in the latter days which we're in right now, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountain and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations will flow to it. And this is going to happen when Jesus return, because it's coming to judge the nations in righteousness and his word, the sword of the, of the spirit are upon him. You can read it in Revelations, how he comes on a white horse with the word of God written on his thigh and he's got a sword in his hand. And he has government on his shoulders and he's going to subdue the nations and he's coming with a remnant with him. And many people shall come and say, verse three, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his path. God's opening the ancient paths to understand what he laid out as a foreshadowing and a blueprint in the Old Testament that will mirror the New Testament. They're both going to come into the vine of one in him. They're going to be a double witness of what is truth and how to walk out that truth, not to walk out according to our own ways, but his way. The church has to understand this. This is where she's gotten off. We can't just say, oh, by grace we're saved, and we just cast off the Old Testament, which is a blueprint to secure truth in, and, and so that the Holy Spirit of power can operate within that truth and allow his wisdom and his power to flow out and to, seek, and to, to, to release power from. And verse um, 3, uh, the rest of that verse said, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. He's going to judge with righteous judgment, but he set apart a people to judge with him. He even told the apostles in Luke that, that this is going to be, he's going to use a people to help him judge the nations, the tribes. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and they shall spear into 
their spears into pruning hooks because they're going to hear the truth. Many are going to hear the truth and they're going to go, wow, we have partnered all this time with some things that just were not from the Lord. And nations shall not lift up a sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore because where God's going to take us through this, this millennium that's up ahead is when he speaks truth, it's going to it's going to cut off the power of the enemy. And what's going to come is shalom, peace. And peace is going to prevail. And there's going to be a rest for God's people because we rest in truth. I'm going to go now to chapter three. Well, actually, before I even get to chapter three, the Lord goes further into Isaiah two. And he says, the land is full of idols and they worship the work of their own hands. Church, you know what? We're doing the same thing, trying to build up ministries and 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 allow our name to be lifted up higher than the Lord and and the and 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 put everyone underneath our power instead of letting them setting the captives free and let them go directly to the Lord themselves and to allow their gift to freely flow. But you know, we've established these uh these doctrines that are trying to contain God's people to be underneath church doctrine and to live by their house rules. God is going to destroy that. And God says, enter into the rock and you can hide in the dust because judgment is coming. And he says that the people are going to try to hide in these rocks. And he says, from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty, when he arises to shake the earth. So there is a place of protection for God's people that are going to respond to truth and they're going to be able to hide under the shadow of the almighty. Because there, God's truth resides. But outside of that, you're exposed. And so the Lord says at the end of Isaiah 2, he says, sever yourselves in verse 22. And today is the 22nd. He says, sever yourselves from such a man. Sever yourself from any doctrine that goes outside of God's truth and his ways. Sever yourself from any governmental tie ties that sound good and look good, but underneath they have got an evil and uh, evil intent. Sever yourself from, from things that, that, um, that have this political agenda that um, is like looking so peaceful and everything. But underneath it, there is an evil intent to ensnare God's people under their power and control. Sever yourselves from this thought process. Sever yourselves. However the Lord says, sever yourself. Isaiah 3. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, he's going to supply us with bread and the whole supply of water. That the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the honorable man, the counselor and the skillful artesian and the, um, and he's going to, he's going to start revealing these things. But when those people, he's separating, he's separating, he's separating, he's separating, he's separating those that are underneath his government and his rulership. And he's separating all those that have power and control under the guise of the works of their hands and the power of the enemy, because everything else outside of God's authority and his word and truth is a work of the antichrist. Gosh, help us, Lord. 
And it says for Jerusalem 8 in verse uh, Isaiah 3 verse 8 for Jerusalem stumbled and, Jelu and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord. So I ask you, what are you speaking that is against the Lord? What are preachers preaching that is against his ways? And even in our silence says things that we are condoning what is what is not right in our silence because their tongue and their doings are against the lord he says to provoke the eyes of his glory the lord is really really his 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 hand and his heart are on our tongues right now and our tongues speak with where our eyes are focused and where our minds are set upon it is just the byproduct of what's being filtered in our minds and what we have thought of and what we have partnered with and then also what our eyes are gazing upon are we gazing on the enemy are we gazing upon him and out of the abundance of those two things are coming the the rivers of life or death the look in verse nine, the look of their countenance witnesses against them and they declare their sin as Sodom. They do not hide it, hide it. Woe to their soul for they have brought evil upon themselves. God's speaking to a people that know him. He's judging our tongues. He's judging our ways. He's judging the truth that lives inside of us. Now judgment comes because he loves, he chastises those he loves and he's allowing us to see truths in the earth right now. And he is calling us, he's wooing us to separate ourselves and his grace and the mercy are there to cover. And the blood of Jesus is covered to cleanse us so that we can come underneath the vine. The Lord stands up, it says in verse 13, and up to plead, and he stands to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders of his people and his princes. For you have eaten up the vineyard, he says. The plunder of the poor is on your is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, says the Lord? He's really dealing with his church. Oh, if our if we could hear this. We're not producing a vineyard that is that is producing fruit right now. Beaten the why the why I'm saying that uh, in this hour is that we're producing some fruit, but this is his his vineyard. He wants to produce a fullness, and that 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 means that the he's allowing us to see the terrors that are in our in our fields right now. We got to separate ourselves. He wants to bring forth a vineyard that has full ripe fruit, and those that that aren't, then it's the grapes of wrath. Oh gosh, Lord. He says, moreover, he says in verse 16, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, making a jingling with their feet. Therefore, the Lord will strike with a scab and the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion and the Lord will, will uncover their secret parts. So he's going deep within our roots. He's uncovering these secret parts. He's going to take out the crowns that man has established or that we have placed upon our, our heads ourselves. He wants to give us the crown that Stephen was given. It was a mantle that came from heaven, the Zion, the one that is full of the spirit of wisdom. And that's what he wants to give us in this hour. Hallelujah. And chapter four, it says, 
And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only be, let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. And in that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. So here is again the target and the and the and the goal that what the Lord wants to do is He wants us to escape, and He wants to be in the the fruit of His vineyard, and they're going to escape the judgment that is not going to be good, that can hurt our flesh. And it says in verse um, four in in four. It says, when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughter of Zion, which is what he's trying to do right now, and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her myths. Jerusalem is the new temple, the, the remnants that God is bringing together, the living stones that he is joining together in this hour. Because we are, Peter says that we are living stones and we are his royal priesthood and together we create, um, uh, we, we have the um, the the anointing of the Lord in our temple, and together we create a, a a capital temple for the Lord because we're all joined together, and it's His temple, New Jerusalem. The Lord says, and he, and He's taking away everything that would um, that would defile that temple outside of our temple, and He's purging the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And so God is a consuming fire, and He's burning everything right now in this hour that's outside of His truth. Then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of mountain and above our assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a covering and there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat for a place of refuge and for a shelter from storm and rain. So the promise that the Lord has for us is for all those that are hearing his voice right now in this hour and separating themselves from everything that's outside of God and they're having a contrite heart and being repentant and allowing the blood to wash them clean and they're holy wanting to listen come to his throne of grace and listen to what god has to say and line up with him in this hour of, of truth those are the ones that are going to find refuge in this time of judgment that's coming upon our earth and they are going to be um they are going to be used with like coals of fire to to speak like jonah was called to speak in that hour when the whole um nineveh had joined itself with harlotry and jonah was called to to speak to the world to speak to that world in that hour and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and to speak what his truth is. And the coals of fire are going to come out of these crowned ones like Stephen that will have the full measure to speak even to the strongholds. And they've got to bow so that people can hear the truth and separate themselves. And now chapter five in Isaiah he says, now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. Hallelujah. So he gives, he gives a, he dug it up and he cleared out its stones. He dug up the remnant. He's digging out into our roots, everything that, that goes against God's truth and his nature he, and his way. And he planted in it with it. And he planted it with the choicest vine and he built a tower in the midst, uh, the tower of the Lord. You know, that proverb that, that talks about, um, you know, that we are the, the tower of, uh, gosh, the beacon of light, his tower and righteousness and his strength. I can't remember the proverb right now, but I think you guys will remember it. And so, um, 
and he built it in the midst, meaning Jesus is our strong tower. His righteousness, truth, and justice are in the midst of the remnant. Um, and he is in the center of the Ezekiel wheel that's turning with the seven spirits of God. And it's bringing forth good grapes, but it also brought forth wild grapes. And that's why God is like, you know, separating this wheel right now so that the wild grapes are being severed. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard, what more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done with it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now please tell me what I do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned and break down its wall and shall be trampled upon. I will lay its waste and it shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. And I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of the hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. And he looked for justice, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. So you see that God's desire, his vision is this vineyard. And he's chosen a people to be set apart in this vineyard. And in this hour we're in right now, the plumb line's being dropped to be a part of this vineyard. But, the, but then when he looked again, he saw all of the people that call on the Lord. There was these, these, um, these wild grapes that chose not to, to sanctify themselves. And they were mixed in with the good. And these are the tares that are mixed in with the good. And because of that, he see, he he goes out into the earth and he and he sees um, justice that's um, being oppressed, and he and he sees righteousness um, that's not being executed. And there's a cry for help, and that's why he's separating a people right now because his vineyard or his his time in the in the in the in the grape season, the season we're in right now, tabernacles, is to separate those that are with him and those that are not. The, the pure vineyard that is going to come into this time of need to establish his righteousness. And then there's those that still need to do a work because they had no ears to hear and no eyes to see. And so their time is not now because they have not overcome by the word of the Lord and the power of his testimony. And they still have to go through a sanctification process. And then he says um, in chapter five, in verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. We cannot be silent anymore. Even in our silence, we're calling evil good. We, and, and if we um, come, in, come in agreement to what um, evil is doing right now, then we are coming into an agreement that that evil will not depart from our house. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Pride is hindering us from being able to hear this truth. Verse 22, woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. Got some good stuff, good wine, old wine, and mixing it with new wine, not going to work. It's going to be intoxicating. We cannot mix God's pure wine, his truth, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit with things that are work that man has created and are in God, in their jurisdiction and their power. Woe, uh, who justify the wicked for the for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous. 
Therefore, as the fire devours stubble and the flame consumes the shaft, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will ascend like the dust because they have rejected the law of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. See, God is like wooing us right now. Do not despise my word. There is a wrong theology that is out there for the, the body of Christ that says, cut off the old the old covenant, and you can just walk and enter into the grace of God, and yet you are walking lawless, and you are actually not using the grace of God for his good to to be a, a witness of his truth. And the grace of God is the mercy because we will never be able to walk perfectly, but we are called to try to line up with truth and to be empowered with this truth, which the Holy Spirit is the truth teller. So we cannot take that gift and then continue to walk lawlessly because what we've done then is we are not a witness unto the Lord. And who is the lawless one? Satan himself. We have partnered with him and put ourselves under his headship. Wow. Sorry, I had to just stop for a second because this is so... This is a serious thing that the Lord is telling us. But he does say to us in the end, and this is why I'm sharing this word with you right now. He says to us, he will lift up a banner to the nations from afar. That is that banner of righteousness, Jehovah Nisi, the one that can defend, protect, and slay the enemy. And he will whistle to them from the ends of the earth. He's calling the remnant right now, the ones that are going to have the seal over their, over their heads right now. And he's saying, enter into the vine, the vine, abide in the vine, be in the vineyard that is producing great, good fruit. Separate yourself from the vineyard that has wild grapes. Surely they shall come with speed swiftly, and no one with, will be weary or stumble among them. No one will slumber or sleep. There's a cry. God's people are going, oh my gosh, I've just got to, I've got, I got to, I got to draw close to the Lord right now. I need to make sure that my heart is right before him. Those are the virgins whose heart are ready and oil was full and whose arrows are sharp and all their bows bent. Their horses' hooves will seem like flint and their wheels like a whirlwind. Remember this, the Ezekiel wheel that was had the seven spirits of God. God wants to release the seven spirits right now in full measure like he did with Stephen, who was full of God's spirit of wisdom. And in that day, they will roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And in and if one looks to the land, behold, darkness and sorrow, and the light is darkened by the clouds. So there's a roar like a lion. There's a roar like a young lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he's got young lions that are going to roar with him. And they're going to lay hold of the prey, and they're going to carry it away safely, and no one will deliver. And now I want to finish this with Isaiah 6, because we see this picture that Isaiah gets as a vision and the train of his road was filled with the temple because we're in a training right now. The remnant is in a training um, session with the Lord to do these things where the plumb line is dropped and to circumcise their hearts and to separate from everything that's outside of him so they can hear the pure uh, voice of God and his truth in this hour. And so they're prepared. They, they're not going to be perfect. They're just prepared. Their oils are ready. 
And these are the ones that God is sealing so that they can go forth with the, like Joshua did with that baton of the, his priesthood in their hearts, but then are given the kingship anointing that is needed to go into the earth and subdue the enemy. And he cries, and, and so the, he and Isaiah sees this vision and they're singing, holy, holy, holy to the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They're before his face. The remnant is before his face. They're honoring the Lord. Do you notice that every time the Lord is going to use a people uh, in the hour of his redemption story, they're always singing this new song. They're always singing and honoring the Lord because their hearts are so thankful that his heart loves them and he is a redeeming God. And they have, they know that, that he alone is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and in them, they can do nothing. And so all they can do is just sing holy, holy to the Lord. And that verse four, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him. Here we hear the voice again, shaking, and they're drawing close to the voice of God who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. And so I said, woe is me for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. That is what the remnant are understanding at this point. <laughs> They're going, oh my gosh, Lord. I am a man of unclean lips. I am, the, I, oh my gosh, help me. Let the blood of Jesus cover me so that these lips can be your lips and that they can just release your glory alone. And I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then verse 6 says, Then one of the cherubim flew to me, having his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. This is the anointing that has been released in here right now. I can barely even get this word out. Oh my gosh. Even the holiness of God is on me right now as my hands are just stretched out to the, the king. I'm like, no, don't even feel worthy to even be used right now to even speak this word. But these words are gonna, that God is giving us in the hour ahead are going to come straight from the altar. And they are going to be his fire. And verse 7 says, because 7 is the number of completion and blessing. And it says, he touched my mouth. With it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. Oh my gosh. Who is God going to send? Who is God is going to send? That is his cry in this hour. Who is he going to send? Are you the one that he's going to say, going to say, Lord, send me? Well, we need to just boldly go to his throne with our unclean lips and realize, oh my gosh, we cannot do this unless God's holiness touches us and helps us and purges us. And there is a divine exchange in this hour. And there is a time that we're going to be inaugurated like Joshua was. But even Joshua couldn't even go into the land until he sanctified himself. And he, and he caused the people to circumcise their hearts before they could even go in to do the first work of the Lord. And they couldn't even touch 
They couldn't even touch the, they, they couldn't even do it with their own hands. Do you see? They went into Jericho, which was the stronghold. And God would eat, and God put the, the Levites first and made them go around six times. And then it was the shout, the shout of the, the sound of the trumpet. It was God's voice himself that blew and the strongholds fell. Do you see, even Joshua couldn't do anything with his own hands. It was just his obedience. So my cry to you is to hear this and to go forth in the obedience of the Lord in this hour and boldly go toward his voice and to hear what he has to say and circumcise your hearts so that you're ready. Get the oil that God wants you to hear to get right now. And that comes by staying in his presence so that you're ready in the hour when he calls you. God bless.